Warning, the following audio transmission is based on theory and is intended for entertainment purposes only. It's Doomsday and its affiliates will not be held liable for anything your dumbass does. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome, everybody, to It's Doomsday Podcast. Today is Sunday, January 30th, 2022. Time is 7.15 p.m. And joining me is Al, a.k.a. Big Daddy Prep. How are you doing tonight, Al? I am wonderful, my friend. Wonderful. Awesome. And we are back for Group Selection Part 2. And when we left off last week, Al, I believe we were maybe like a quarter of the way through your your circle or your list that you were talking about yes sir we were just making a good dent and i'm afraid this this topic could probably be a seven part show but i'm afraid that would probably (laughs) bore everybody in the end but yes it's a very it's a huge topic and it takes a lot of thought this is a topic that takes a lot of thought but it's not just right now thought it's over a period of time Oh, absolutely it is. Um, and and what's, what's really interesting is as we talk about this topic and we get deeper into it, more light bulbs go off and it creates it creates more things to talk about. But if you, if, if you want to pick up where we left off with the stuff you had, I mean, by all means, go for it. Take it off. Okay. Well, let's just do a minor review on what we talked about last week about how we form our, our, our community, our circle. You know, some of the things I pointed out were like skills and assets, liabilities, medical conditions, mindset of, you know, previous dealings with, with people in the community. You know, we, we went over that. And also we went over kind of our organizational type of things, you know, with with skills that people have and replacing those skills, age versus youth, those type of situations. But what I really want to delve off in today are the skills that a person that joins our community might need. And I've identified a few very high value targets when it comes to skills. So let me start off first and foremost with a skill that I'm not hugely proficient in and that's bushcraft and anyone who knows anything about prepping understands bushcraft but for those who don't that's basically being able to go into a a wilderness type situation and taking what's given to you and making things out of it i.e shelter cover whatever it might be like that that's a skill that is highly prized in the in the, the prepping type world and would definitely be very, very valuable to you in your community as bushcraft skills because you may not always have lumber or, or cordage, this, that, and other, or you might dwindle down your supply. So someone that can go into the wilderness and take something and go, you know, that plant right there, that makes good for cordage. This is how you can tear it apart. Or that, we can take these rough logs and make a shelter with this. That's going to be a high-value target, Jester. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I'm one of these guys. I'm not steeped in bushcraft either. I don't claim to be. Um, there are some things I've picked up over the years from 
being a woodsman and being a Boy Scout and things like that, but I am not a bushcraft guy. So having one of these guys within my community would be highly beneficial. Right. And that kind of segues into the second topic that I brought up, which was military training. Those with a military background, from the day that they're inducted into the armed forces, they learn certain skill sets, depending on what their MOS, their, their, their trade in the military is. They bring to the table certain skill sets, some uh, electronic detection, some demolition, some firearms proficiency, i.e. snipers and folks like that. Some just organizational skills. Some of the best organizers I ever met in my career came from the military that basic breakdown of being able to take an organizational chart and say, okay, this is your responsible to this. This is, a, you know, that that's a skill in its own gesture. Also past prepper and homesteader experience. People that have been preppers for 20 or 30 years are going to be highly, highly touted in your community because they've already They've already done the legwork. They've already done the research. They've done the trial and error. You know, I say trial and error. I've raised small animals for years. And trial and error is um, accidentally killing 26 ducks in one day because my wife and I didn't realize that if you gave baby, baby ducklings too much water, they would actually drown themselves. They would actually choke off their pool of hearts and lungs and they'd fall over dead. And unfortunately, we did that. Those are the skills what it has to do with past prepping and homesteading that I'm talking about, not making mistakes because folks that have been homesteaders and preppers in the past, they've done the legwork for you. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I understand the duck thing. We at, we had one drowned on us and I didn't even know that was a thing till it happened. I didn't know a duck could drown. Um, yeah. They seem, they, you know, you always hear that saying, oh, you take to it like a duck to water. Never once would I thought that would have ever happened, but it does. And to further your point about the people that grew up, grew up or, you know, have the experience with the, the raising of the small animals and the livestock and the homesteading and, you know, kind of the, the country style of living, they're going to be able to show you things and teach you things that you never thought possible. And I mean, some of these things could be very simple. Um, how to get... Uh, how to care for rabbits, how to care for chickens, maybe how to season firewood, how to can goods. There's the list is endless with these people. Absolutely. And you don't learn a skill by just going, okay, I want to can. And you go in there in the kitchen, you just start canning and everything goes perfectly. That's why learning from someone, everybody passes down things or people pick up things as they, as they begin to learn a skill, but we all make mistakes raising animals, canning, all these things take a certain, it's why it's a skill gesture is because you have to learn these things. I always love people that live in, in urban and suburban areas that think that us in the country or, or folks that are from the country are, are, are anything other than intelligent. I won't say dumb or stupid, anything like that, but a lot of people look at country people as being, you know, those silly hicks, well, let me tell you, to grow up in the country, you have to learn certain skills if you're going to survive. Canning and raising animals are, are skills. You don't just go out there, grab a rabbit or grab a chicken and go, okay, here, chicken. Now I'm going to eat you in about six to 16 weeks. I need you to go ahead and start growing up. It doesn't work like that. You know this because your background is the same way too. But 
if someone wants to become in a community, they need to bring a skill. By bringing a skill like that, previous preppers, previous homesteaders, they bring a lot to the table. That's all I can tell you. They And they're going to bring a lot to the table when it comes to food <laughs> because food is going to be something, a, a, a resource that you're going to have to constantly replace. So when someone has that ability to take, well, I've had a lot of people over the years gesture when it comes to chickens. I, I, I don't call myself a chicken guru, but I've raised a lot of chickens. And you wouldn't believe how many people that live in urban and suburban areas think you have to have a rooster to get eggs. You wouldn't believe it, Jester. But I did a survey one time and said, well, how many roosters do you need to get eggs? And I kid you not, the answers I got, astounded me you don't want to have to have any roosters it goes back to the whole thing of you have to have a skill and these are skills that you want to bring to the table hey preppers do you want 10 percent off survival food go to www.readywise.com and use code doom10 at checkout for 10 percent off all your survival food needs again that's code doom10 at checkout at readywise.com D-O-O-M-10 for 10% off at readywise.com. Absolutely. Now, although a rooster is not required for eggs, I do recommend having a rooster um, because it helps. The rooster will help protect the other chickens, um, and they'll also help find food for the chickens. Uh, You really only need the rooster if you want your eggs to be fertilized. Righto. And reproducing your flock. That's important. But when it came to egg production, I, I, I just tried a question one time on a social media. I said something about, uh, well, how many roosters do you have to have to have eggs? And my Lord, Jester, the answers. Oh, Lord. I thought folks knew more about their farm animals than what they did. But anyway, that's another topic. I'm going to stay on topic. This is going to be a next section here that you're going to love. I identified number four as being law enforcement and corrections experience, i.e. security experience. And I know that you can delve deep off into that. So can I from being a with a corrections background and you with a law enforcement background. But those are folks that are going to be highly des- desirable and skills for a future community. Oh, ab- absolutely. I mean, <laughs> so security ops for me, that's like one of my biggest preps. That's one of my biggest, you know, things that I plan for. Um, it's, it's something that's needed. Um, and also, I think, you know, the correction side and the law enforcement side, having that ability to size people up, to read people, to profile people, um, I think is going to be worth its weight in gold within these communities. Being oh, able to yes, being able yes. to identify someone that could potentially be a danger before they come one. Right. Some of those, the skills with that law enforcement corrections experiences is communications, um, basic security, uh, possibly the ability to be able to shake a person or area down and find the materials that, that aren't obvious to the eye. You know, that that's a skill that I gained in corrections that I didn't realize that the world didn't possess. I guess I forgot how I learned it. But, you know, just being able to find things that are hidden, whether it be on a person or in an area, those are important skills. Uh, lock locks, locking mechanisms, uh, uh, just basically keeping a good perimeter security and security locations that are 
not obvious to other people, but would be obvious to people like you, like you and I, with the background we have, if I have how to maintain security of an area, that's going to be a, a topic right there. But um, the next I had is mechanical repair. We all know that when the apocalypse happens, we're going to have to have mechanical repair. If they, you're not going to be able to just simply go down and get another vehicle or repair that vehicle. Just take it down the shop, drop it off. Oh, I forgot it's an apocalypse. We can't do that. So you're going to have to have people that understand mechanical engineering and how to how to fix things, repair things. Oh, absolutely. And I can't say that I'm very well steeped in that. I know a little bit of stuff. Um, I can do some mechanical work, but I'm not the type of guy that's going to be able to rip apart a transmission and put it back together. I don't have that mindset. Um, <laughs> and and that's that's that area that you'd, but you would want to bring somebody into your community that was a little bit more knowledgeable about. A- absolutely. Um, and there there is a line, though. For me, because I you, you do have people that come in, and I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent here for a second, but you have these people that come in that think they're gods because they possess knowledge. Definitely right. avoid those. Definitely avoid those people too. Modesty is a good quality when selecting these people that have these skill sets. That's all I wanted to say. Yes, sir. You're right. When you're the god's gift to uh, whatever it might be. You really need to check yourself at the door because someone, i.e., will come along later on and end up showing you up, or your skill set will just people will just get tired of dealing with you because they don't want to deal with you. You know, their skill set. <laughs> okay, we'll find somebody else who knows how to do this. You you need to go. So yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Uh, the next area that I have identified is medical training. We all know that medical training is going to be a a huge thing in every community, not only for, you know, I hear people talk about all the time they're preparing for gunshot wounds or this or that, but just day-to-day medical. People get old. People get hurt. People stub a toe, break a finger, have a migraine, you know, get sick viruses, Lord knows we know about viruses today, people with medical training, whether it be LPNs, RNs, APNs, doctors, you know, anyone like that that has a medical background is going to be highly sought because you're going to have to have somebody. We all get sick. We all get ill. Childbirth, um, you know, dental, dental problems, eye problems. There's going to be a, a whole vast amount of things that happen because if it happens to you right now in a regular everyday situation, it's definitely going to take place in a grid down situation where you don't have all the luxuries that you do today. Oh yeah. That's uh that's 100% undeniable. Um, I just think about the common injuries that happen to me all the time, a sprained ankle, something gets in my eye. Uh, and then, you bring up the, the teeth thing. I think that teeth problems are going to be a bigger problem in an apocalyptic situation because you're not going to have the preventative maintenance that you do right now. Um, plus, I'm one of these guys, I'm real bad for using my teeth as tools to strip wires and do different things like that. <laughs> and I think yeah. we're probably going to be doing more stuff like that in the apocalypse. Um, but no, I think you hit the nail right on the head, Al. Uh, someone brought up something this week in one of my my comments and one of my social media posts, and I'm going to throw it in there. Even though I didn't have it on my original list, I have to bring it up. 
because he brought it up and he and I agreed with him. He was right. And that is blacksmithing, i.e. forging of materials. And it doesn't have to mean that we're such a broke down situation to where we have to forge our own nails, Jester. But there's going to come things that are going to get broken or things that we're going to need. And being able to take an old piece of metal and temper it and form it and change it to fit something that we might need to replace or we just need to build is going to be a skill that I hadn't given that much consideration to. But when I, I made a comment about something, I don't remember what it was on a social post that he said, well, what about blacksmithing? It's going to be a skill that I'm going, uh, that I do that's going to be sought out. And I said, you're absolutely correct. Matter of fact, I, I told him, I said, if you would send me some information, I'd like to learn some more. And I definitely like to interview you about some of those skills for a show one day. And he, of course he was, you know, he jumped right on the bandwagon with it, but I hadn't thought about that much yesterday. You ever thought about that? Well, so before I got into law enforcement, I was a welder by trade. I've been a welder for over 15 years now. Well, I think right at 15 now. Um, I had my own company doing it for five years, and I've kept every single piece of equipment um, to this day like that I had from back when I had my company, except for a couple big items. Uh, and the reason why I kept everything is my thought was you might need to up-armor a vehicle. You might need to repair a broken axle. You might need to fasten some heavy duty hinges to reinforce some doors to increase security on a building. You know, you might need to build some heavy duty steel gates. Maybe there's something broken that you need to repair. Um, and it just, for me, it was, I kept that for that reason. Although it's not blacksmithing, it's, you know, kind of the next best thing. Um, so yeah, absolutely. It's something that I thought about and we did an episode sometime last year on you know what would be the best skills for the apocalypse and that was one that came up on the radar was the blacksmith i got another one that came up this week too and i'm kind of throwing these in the middle of the list because they have come up recently and i was just before we started the podcast i was finishing up one of my wife's requests which was to make her some fresh cinnamon rolls and i got to thinking about people that have the ability to cook whether it be bake or whatever like that those folks are going to come in handy and not just everybody can do that a lot of folks in this modern society eat just they eat out of the, the the freezer the refrigerator or the box and being able to cook from scratch with raw elements like i.e. flour, sugar, yeast. A lot of people nowadays, they don't know anything about that gesture. So people that are able to cook and bake are going to come in important because you like to have bread with your dinner. Well, guess what? If there's no bread in the store and there's no store to go to and you want some bread, you better know somebody knows how to make it. If you want something cooked that you don't know how to, that you don't know how to do, or even if you don't know how to cook the raw items that you have, those people are going to be hugely important to you because anybody can store rice and beans and, and noodles. But if you don't know what to do with them, you're going to be up a creek. Well, not only that, though, but when you're talking about the community aspect, like making bread, baking and, and preserving food items, these are this is going to be a full time job for a person in the community. I agree. So you might have a person baking bread all day every day um or if that person's not baking bread they might be preserving food or processing grain i think that's a highly desirable skill set to have absolutely i agree with you what about uh, the next one on my list was 
those with experience hunting, fishing, and gardening. And I wrapped up in the one, and they could each one be an individual one of these hunters, fishers, gardeners. But I wrapped them all up together. Basically, people that take from the land what the land gives them. We all know that to go out and hunt is an art. To go out and fish is an art. And to be able to garden and take a seed and make a whole bountiful meal out of just a few seeds is a, is a, is a, a very important thing. But those people that have the ability to go out into nature and say, nature feed me, and when you open your door, it's like going to the grocery store. That's going to be an art, not only by what you can raise garden-wise of just raising up in your garden, but be able to go out into nature and find things in nature that you can eat, i.e. mushrooms and herbs and, and root crops and, and nuts and things like that. So a person with that kind of experience, they're going to be – they're you can't replace that knowledge because you can't just read a book and get that knowledge. You have to have someone that actually shows you. So I say people like that, they're going to be somebody you're definitely going to want to bring into your group. Absolutely. And one of the big reasons I, so there's a big thing here. You can't have the entire community out hunting out in the woods all the time because there's going to be other jobs to do. You have to you have to put people in that job set. You have to take people that have that skill and make them go apply that because the whole community can't continuously do that. So that's like a that's like a designated thing, and and someone coming in to have that skill set again is going to be invaluable. I agree one hundred percent. The next topic I had on here, the next person was the heavy equipment operator, i.e. experienced person. And a lot of people would disagree with that, but I will tell you this much, Jester. I don't know how strong you are, but every year I think I get a little weaker. And we as a modern society have depended so long on heavy equipment and mechanical, i.e. gearing and things like that to make our jobs easier. If you want to know what I'm talking about, I'm going to say this. If you have a grid down situation, you have a motor blowed up in something and you need to replace it, try taking the motor out without a cherry picker. Now, a cherry picker, that's a very rudimentary type tool. That's a minor thing. It's a cherry picker. So I'm making an example is how we've taken some things that made it easier on us. Someone who's able to work a heavy piece of equipment, i.e. tractors, you know, combines, uh, front end loaders, discs, cranes, things like that. Even though we might be in a grid down situation, there's still going to be those things out there. And if we want to be able to get a crop in the ground, or if we want to be able to, to grade the road so we can get down the road, if we want to be able to do a lot of things, it's going to require heavy machinery. Not everyone knows how to do that. It, it's very apparent to me that not everybody knows how to do it because it seems like every time we get a heavy piece of equipment to get ready to use, everybody knows how to use it until it's actually time to use it. Then nobody knows how to use it. So people that know how to run heavy equipment, even though it might be an unorganized type situation, there's still going to be equipment there, probably diesel-powered equipment for the most part, but someone's going to have to run it, and we're going to need those at times. Absolutely. Uh, one thing I think to take into consideration with that is even if it's the apocalypse, you're not going to, you know, inclement weather and natural disasters aren't going to stop. And I feel like that's where that equipment's going to come in 
So absolutely. I mean, if you're having trees fall on buildings, big things you have to lift up. And, and like you said, the gardening, absolutely. You're going to need someone who can run these, this, these people. The next one on my list, Jester, is people that have food preservation experience. And a lot of people say, well, you just said something about gardening and you just said something about people that could bake and people that could, that could cook. Food preservation and those topics are completely and utterly different because being able to can salt meats, able to smoke meats, that's an art all on its own. And if you intend to take the kills that you make or intend to take the livestock that you raised or the garden vegetables that you've raised or the things that you find or that you grow and keep them for a long period of time and not just use them right now, you're going to have to find a way to preserve them. And let me tell you something. If you kill a hog today, you can't eat all that hog unless you have a very large community and you're raising a lot of animals. You can't raise that hog before it go bad on you. So being able to smoke meats, salt meats, and things like that, that person right there is going to have a full-time job because they have to keep the community fed. And as much as salted things, salted meats and smoked meats may not sound that well, to a lot of people, it wouldn't sound appealing. It may not sound appealing, but, and also health-wise, it may not sound that appealing to a lot of people. If your belly's rumbling, salt pork tastes delicious. If it's smoked, it tastes delicious on an empty stomach. And those garden vegetables that you bring out this summer, it's nice to eat them in the middle of December or January if you know the right preservation means. You know, Al, something I'd like to point out to the listeners, um, just because you brought up the meat preservation thing. So for everybody out there that like is kind of being a naysayer, you're not going to need all these things. Do understand we have an entire world population that is performing these daily operations. Now someone's yes. doing this for us. Someone's preserving the food. They're running the trucks to the stores. So at the end of the day, even if it's the apocalypse, you're still going to need these things, right? Absolutely. Go to a third world country right now, Jester, and find out what it's like when there's no one to do it for you, when you have to, as a community, do it yourself. Because in most third world countries, it, there's no there's no one that's in the city that's saying, okay, well, I'm going to bake all your bread for you. You come get it. Someone's baking the bread in that community. When they need meat in that community, they don't go to the main place in the country and get it they have to get it themselves so they're half the population of the world is living exactly as we're describing right now oh absolutely and i mean with within these little communities overseas you have like an individual baker or you have the produce guy or you have the meats guy and you have these guys going around and not only that, but they have their individual little markets that not everybody has a big box store or a Walmart to go from. Some people are living this life right now as we speak. Right. And one of the last number 10 topic that I, I had on my list, and it's going to be an unpopular one for a lot of people because basically they're not going to like this idea. And I don't either, but it's the organizational skilled person. It's the person we have to have an organization just as, as human beings, we People can say they don't, but they're lying. We crave structure. We crave a system in which there are checks and balances. 
we crave a structure to where there is discipline for for actions that are detrimental to the community and we also crave someone being in charge I, I hear i hear it all the time people say oh, i don't want anybody in charge i'm tired of people in charge but as a society and as a person as people we crave someone who we say that person's in charge this is the you commit this crime this is the punishment if you don't believe that, just wait until they start talking about crime and legislation and the people say, oh, I think we ought to do so and so. That's exactly what we're talking about here. A structure, an organizational person, a person that says, OK, you're in charge or I'm in charge and these are the people that are in charge under me. And this is what we get for the crime of this. This is this is going to be a trade of not everyone's good at organizational skills, Jester. Not everyone is. So that person that has the ability to organize these people, they're going to be the base rock of any community because someone has to say, okay, I'm the leader. We're going to follow me. Or someone's going to say, that's the leader and we're going to follow them. It's just, it's an unpopular idea. I'm sure it's going to be, but someone has to be in charge. You know, also kind of a half side of that too is, organization in an apocalyptic community is going to be a full-time job. You know, you're going to need someone to keep records, someone to enact uh, new rules and regulations, someone to be able to assess problems that are going on, someone to be able to sit down and figure out how to resolve situations. It's right. a, the leadership position is going to be a full-time job. And if you don't have, you know, a council or a leader you're going to have a very, very bad apocalypse because it's going to be chaos. Things aren't going to run right. Things aren't going to work right. Um, it You need that. You definitely need it. I couldn't agree. Well, here's the thing, Jester. People that argue that point, ask the Indians, ask the Aztecs, ask, the, uh, ask, ask every indigenous tribe in any continent in the world, whether it be in Australia, Africa, Europe, America, the South America, ask any of those indigenous tribes that was somebody in charge. There was always someone in charge. There was always a council of leaders with someone in charge. So that's, you're right. That's going to be a full-time position. And it's, and throughout mankind in any situation, there was someone was always in charge. Even if it's now in this modern society, here in the United States where we decided a couple hundred years ago that we were going to have a constitution. That was our rules. We decided that, that we would have a president, a vice president, a Senate, a House of Representatives. So there we go. We've proven the fact that every society has had some form of organization and organized leadership. Absolutely, 100%. And we're not... In that's not something that's ever going to go away. We're going to have that till the end of time. So if you don't think that that's going to fly in the apocalypse, that's a very infantile way of thinking. You're going to need that leadership. Yes, sir. Jester, I think the, the, the main thing that we can get through to the listeners and people that are listening to our podcast today is there are certain questions that you have to ask yourself when it comes to organizing your community, your circle, whatever you call it. You're going to have to establish who's in my circle, establish a number, What, no matter whether it's one person or a thousand. How many people are in my circle? How is my circle going to be organized? Where Where's going to be the main 
place that my circle is? What's going to be our base camp? Where, how far out are our peripheries of our camp? What are we What are we doing? What are we securing? Do we have to have security? Yes, we need security. Well, who's going to do security? Who's going to feed us? Who's going to preserve the food? Who's going to take care of this? Who's going to, and, and that organization is what we're trying to get our listeners to understand now that this is not something that willy-nilly happens in five minutes because – As you form these groups, you're not just forming a group. You're not just saying, okay, we're going to do this. You're forming your existence. Your existence and your success after a bad situation happens is going to be, it hinges on the decisions you make before the situation happens. You can't wait until something horrible happens to go, okay, now we're going to, we had something bad happen. Let's start organizing our response. That needs to be ahead of time. So if that makes you a prepper or if that gives you a stigma because you are a prepper, then you're more intelligent than other people. Planning ahead of time of what preppers do. And this is part of prepping. This is as important as laying up all the dry rations and all the water in the world or all the dangers in the world or all the firewood in the world is planning on how your community is going to be formed because you're not only going to have to worry about threats from the outside, you're going to have to worry about threats from the inside. If you overeat your supplies, you're going to run out. If you overdrink your water, overuse your food, people don't don't maintain security, you're going to get attacked from the outside. So inside and outside struggles are going to be rampant if you don't plan ahead of time. Absolutely, 100%. And just to further your point, I mean, our governments now do this. Right. This is something that every county, every city, every municipality around our country, they do that now. Right. They pre-plan for disasters. They have police that polices. They have regulations and rules for things. And you have to do that to have, you know, a modern day society. The apocalypse is going to be no different. And if and if you think for a second that you aren't going to need these things or you want that anarchist type society, it's going to fail very quick. Very quickly. You know, Jester, working in the prison system, we had, even in the prison system, we had a a set of rules for everything that happened, everything occurred from a tornado to a riot to an escape. And we had a little book we went to, and we opened that book up. It was a security plan for, we'll say, escape. And you open the plan up. And automatically told you exactly what you needed to do. These are the people to contact. This is what we do. These are the municipalities we contact. We had everything planned out. So when I say that I spent years planning, I spent years planning for every possible situation that could happen at a prison level. I just took that into my situation with my community and broke it down and said, what's effective for me? What, what am I planning for here? Am I planning for this? Am I planning for that? And, and I understand that folks that haven't had any experience in this, they, they, they kind of, it seems overwhelming, but it's really not. What you need to do is sit down with that little piece of paper and identify the beginnings. How big is my group? Who needs to be in it? Who are the family members and the friends that I want in it? And then just go from there, work your way out. It, it can't happen overnight. You have to do so. There has to be some thought put in this. There has to be a little homework with this assignment. But that's what you and I are trying to do is to wake up some folks 
that that know what they need to do. They just don't know the way to go about making it happen. And also, I think it's shedding light on situations people didn't think about, like how we bring up the security element or you're going to need someone to designate for hunting or designate just for bread making or preservation or selecting these different people. I'm, I'm sure a lot of our listeners out there have thought through some of these scenarios, but maybe not all of them. And if we're getting the, if we're getting their brains to start going down that road, if we're getting those wheels turning, that's what we're trying to do. Right. 100%. You know, Jester, a, a man and a woman need a certain amount of water a day. And there's a weight to that water. And I always say, well, you need at least 10 pounds of water a day. And people say, 10 pounds of water? I'm like, yeah. Do you know a gallon of water weighs eight and a half pounds? So you need uh, between a gallon and a gallon and a half minimum a day. Oh, my goodness. And then when you start throwing things out there to people, they start understanding. I'm like, okay, if there's eight of y'all and you need 10 pounds of water a day, can you carry 80 pounds of water? Can you carry 80 pounds? Who's going to carry the 80 pounds? And then it starts breaking it down. People, they start understanding. I said, you know, the human body usually goes through about a about a, about a hundred calories an hour. So it's about twenty four hundred calories a day. That's basically what a person needs. It's about twenty four to thirty six hundred calories a day. Do you realize at work you burn about five hundred calories an hour? That's twelve thousand calories in a day if you were doing hard work. Do you have twelve thousand calories per person per day if you're really working hard? And then people start going, oh, hold on, man, hold on, it's too much math. I'm like, yeah. Math has to do with your survival. I'm not saying that you're going to need all these things, but these are just just markers that you go by. How much water do I need today? How much food do I need today? How many? Uh, you know, it's a it's a great idea that you're going to bring a hundred strong, able-bodied people that are going to be in your community, and every day they're together to work their hind end off. They're going to make this community go. Well, what if only fifty want to do that, and the other fifty want to sit around? And then what if somebody decides I don't want to work, but I want to eat? You're, these are these are things that are going to come up as you go through this survival situation, and you have to know how you feel about these things or what you're going to do if it happens. What if you have a whole bunch of people there that are great, great medical minds? Everybody in there is doctors and nurses, is that another? But I know a lot of doctors and nurses, and they don't know how to fix their car, and they don't know anything about smoking meats, and they don't know anything about security. So diversification of your of your group and doing the homework now is going to make your survival. It's going to ensure way more of your survival and it's going to make your situation way better in the end. But if you top heavy in one situation or another, that's like having too much food, not having any water. You know, the, the body has to have water, you know, three days without water and the organs start shut down. If you've got, you know, a million dollars worth of food stuck back, but no water, you're not going to survive. And I guess that's the thing. I, that's what I try to do is just I try to wake people up, smack them around a little bit, make them understand that planning now is what you need to do. Hey, preppers, do you want 10% off survival food? Go to www.readywise.com and use code DOOM10 at checkout for 10% off all your survival food needs. Again, that's code DOOM10 at checkout at readywise.com. D-O-O-M-10 for 10% off at readywise.com. Absolutely. And, and two things I'd like to say with what you just said. When you brought up the water thing, you're only bringing up water for drinking, right? And survival. Yes. You're, you're not even bringing that up for a hygiene aspect either. No. So that's, nope. something, that's something people need to take into consideration is there's going to be a whole other set of, of 
you know, decently clean water you're going to need for hygiene. And then uh, the other thing I want to throw out there when you're talking about people consuming water and uh, food intake with calories, do understand if you have an injured person and they can't perform their job, you still have to take care of that person. That's what a community is about. So that has to be something you're putting on in, you know, in the back of your mind or putting on the back burner. What do we do if our gardener gets hurt? Because he still has to eat. He still has to drink water. Someone's got to be there to take care of him. Do you have a person designated to help take care of the injured? You know, is, is that a thing? Right. Jester, I'm going to, I'm going to say something and I, 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 this is how I always blow people's plans out of the water. I always say one thing, you know, they've got all kinds of plans. I always ask them this one question, where do you poop? And they look at you crazy and I'm like, where do you poop? You got a great plan for your water. You got a like plan for your food. You got canned food or they, where you poop at? And then they look at you crazy because you know, they've not even thought about that. And I'm like, well, that's just the beginning of your problems. That's that's just day one. I mean, after that, we got other problems. And they just look at you crazy, and then they go to thinking because they have they've only planned out a few things. They've not planned out everything. And I'm not saying any of us have planned out everything, but it's true. You know, you're going to have situations like you have to you have to get rid of waste. You have to get not only human waste, but you have to get away at waste things that you you trash. What do you do with your trash? What are you doing with this? What are you doing with that? And then people start breaking down the outside and they go, okay, okay, maybe I don't have a good plan. How do I, how do I form a plan? I'm like, okay, now you're listening. That's what we wanted right there. We just wanted you to listen. And now your mind's thinking and the little, little wheels are moving. And that's really what we're trying to do. You know, you have to have a plan for everything. How, how are you going to get water? How are you going to get food? How are you going to replenish your supplies? You know, people are still going to have to go take it poopy. Okay, people are still going to have to go, you know, have medical conditions. People are still going to have situations where they, you know, they're down and depressed today because let's face it, the apocalypse is not going to be a positive thing here. We have to take care of people's mental as well as their physical. So there's a lot to think about. But I just hope that over the last last week's show and this week's show that we've we've made our listeners broaden their 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 mind to what they might need to do in a in an actual bad situation not just a grid down but any situation because it could be a tornado gesture it could be a it could be a breakdown society it could be anything but we want our, we want as many people being you always say we want to get as many people across the goal line as we can you know as many people across the finish line and that's what we're trying to do we're just trying to make you think and i'll i'll tell you what like not just because of of doing the show, but because of living this lifestyle, I talk people's ears off with this, with this conversation. Me too. And I've got, and I've got people coming to me now that are actually waking up that are saying, you know, what do I do about this? What do I do about that? Because everybody's not seeing an end in sight to this pandemic and everybody's getting really concerned with what's going on. Um, so I got a lot more people coming to me lately and the conversations that me and you have, on this show that are that are waking people up are the same things I'm doing in daily life. People are Me listening. Too. People Me are too. definitely listening. They're waking up. They're, right. they're getting it together. And the, the people who think that we're these crazy tinfoil hat wearing nut jobs, I, I feel bad for them because um, they're not going to be the ones that make it. I can tell you right now. You might get a few that just get lucky, um, but I feel bad for those people. 
yeah and and the the sad thing is jester we we don't want we're not wanting to depress you we're not wanting you to think about how bad you you haven't planned for something or what you've forgotten we're just trying to get you to open your mind to the ideas that you haven't come up with and 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 do your research do a little effort asking the questions and not necessarily of us there's a lot of people out there there are great people on this app and 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 on tiktok and the different social medias that are great canners they're great smokers of food that people that give great advice about basic medical things people that, that that show you all kinds of little things that you can do and not just on apps there's also research out there you know not just electronic on a computer there's books and things that you can get to read to start to learn more but every day when you learn something or you plan something more for your community and for your survival it's one more thing that you need to teach somebody else bring somebody else in say hey this is our plan for so and so let me explain this to you and and build from there because you might not be building it just for you because what i build from here on out jester is not about me it's not even about my children it's about my grandchildren i want my grandchildren to live a better life and the only way i can do that is to do this planning right here because i may not benefit from it but they may benefit from it so ultimately that spurs me even more. Believe it or not, when you become a when you can become a papa or a, or a papa, you 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 don't look at you planning anymore. You look at the planning to benefit those little eyes over there, and that will believe it or not, that will spur on your planning a whole lot more. The primary reason why I prep in the first place is to ensure that my children have some sort of a decent future. If the apocalyptic scenarios happens. That is right. the whole reason I do what I do. Right. Period. But um, we are coming up. We are coming up on that mark on our time frame here. Um, I'm like, I, I feel like there's more to talk about. Do you think we got a third part? What do you think, Al? Well, I think maybe so. I, I'll be honest with you, Jester. Maybe, maybe what we need to do is throw a topic or two in in between and then revisit this again maybe what we need to do is get a little bit more input from from our listeners and from the people that we that we associate with that associate with us and ask questions maybe we could hit another where we kind of go back over some things that have to do with this but jester i don't think we could ever finish this topic we could be on this for the next eight weeks because i've got more notes to go i just don't <laughs> want to bore the listener with it i i want them to, to think but you know that's that's totally up to you. I could go on forever about this because you know planning for the apocalypse is something I've been doing for a very long time. Well, here's here's a really good plan. I got a plan. This is what we'll do. So we'll we'll hold up on doing a part three on this topic right now. And in the meantime, the listeners can get with us if right. they feel there's something we missed. If there's something we need to be added in here, um, if they've got more questions that they want answered, get with us. Add Al on TikTok. Big underscore daddy underscore prep. Add me on there. It's Doomsday Podcast 2.0. Email us. It's Doomsday2020 at gmail.com. And also, Al's going to be starting to do the live shows this week, I believe. Right, Al? The morning yes, show? Sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We're going to be doing a live show early in the morning, starting at 5.30 Central Standard Time, 5.30 a.m. Central Standard Time, going to approximately 7 o'clock a.m. Central Standard Time. And it's going to be an open forum. The topic is you, the listener. 
I'm going to talk about hot topic issues, news, prepping issues. But if you jump on five minutes in and say, hey, Al, I want to talk about this, this, this uh, Ukraine-Russia thing, we're going to talk about it. If you stop in and say, hey, I want to talk about this uh, Alec Baldwin situation, okay, let's talk about it. Because the topic is you, the listener. I, I mean, anybody can hear from me all day long what I think. I want to hear what the listeners have to say. Right. And for those of you guys out there that want to catch that live show, you can download the Podbean app or you can get on the website. It's doomsdaypodcast.podbean.com. And you can find Al on there on the morning show and you can find me on there doing a live show Sunday evenings. Al, right. you got and anything? Make sure you get on the list of the Jester's Sunday night shows. You'll enjoy it. And I guarantee it'll open your mind up. You need to get in on those lives on Sunday night. What time does that start? Is it 1030? Uh, 1030 my time here, right, Jester? 11, yes, sir. 1130 Eastern Standard, 830 Pacific. Okay. Make sure you get on Jester's Sunday night because I guarantee it'll open your eyes. Uh, uh, hey, any topics wide open, we'll get off topic on there quick. <laughs> oh, it, <laughs> it definitely happens. And guys, like I said, before we get out of here, definitely find us on the social media. Definitely look us up. Definitely make communication with us, guys. It's a good right thing. Right on. Right on. This is an emergency action message. At approximately 1 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, Nora is tracking 15 ICBM nuclear missiles inbound to the following cities. Orlando, Miami, Pittsburgh, Dover, Newark, Richland, Philadelphia, New York City, Baltimore, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, Boston, Seattle, Detroit. This is an extremely deadly situation. Stay tuned, the next emergency message will be a presidential address.